Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by director Zach Passer. How do you say your last name? Passero. 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 I should have asked you. Yeah, Passero works too. Yeah, I'm easy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so you made Weird Kids, which is uh, premiering this Friday at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. And not just because you're here. I love this movie. I thought. Oh, the, and, oh man. Thank you. I'm glad. Thanks for watching it. Yeah, it had. Um, well, you explain what the movie's about, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I thought of it. I the, the movie is it's kind of a, a coming of age picture. I mean, I came of age in the late seventies and the eighties into the nineties, and so um, you know, I, it's a movie th- about growing up during that time, but also kind of how the you know the movies and the music of that time influenced us as kids and kind of what the adventures you'd go on and the imagined adventures you would go on. And so it's kind of like this hyper real <laughs> adventure that these kids go on. Um, there's three kind of preteen kids, uh, Doug, Fat, and Mel. And uh, Doug's big brother is taking them on a weekend camping adventure into the desert with his girlfriend, Mary. And, uh, you know, the Mel and Fat are well on their way to the doorway of puberty and kind of, and uh, Doug is kind of the uh, late bloomer in the group and is more interested in going out shooting fireworks and having fun and um, hanging out with his brother and and his brother is more interested in impressing his new girlfriend basically and and they go out and along the way um, kind of run into some locals that hint that there might be this creature running around and, and but it's also you know maybe it is just a campfire tale. Um, and they kind of find out how real that is and, and what that means for them. Yeah, because I was really into it right from the start, even before any horror stuff happens, which I think uh, that makes all the horror stuff that more, you know, more interesting because you actually care about the characters. When, so when things start to happen to them, uh, you're invested in it. Yeah, no, I think that's important. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and I wanted I wanted it to be a little bit of a surprise. You know, I, I think that the way that the design of the, you know, the first 20 15 20 minutes of the movie you're not too sure that it that horror element is going to kick in yeah well because I, I i was watching it and i was like oh i assume they sent it to me because it's without your head horror and then i'm watching I'm like oh maybe it isn't horror related which i'm totally fine with I, I have people on that aren't always horror and i was into it so uh but it was a pleasant surprise and you can't always go in totally blind into a movie no, no. And that's one of those things. It's, it's hard as a filmmaker. You want everybody to go in blind on some level. You're like, I want everybody to be surprised. But also you kind of need people. <laughs> you can you can feed people a little bit there. Here, Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things <laughs> I like about festivals, though, is you go in not knowing really too much about a movie. Yeah. Festival audiences are great because there's kind of an openness. You know, you kind of you trust that the festival programmers have come up with you know, just a fun lineup, some things that might um, be different than you would be expecting, but also that, you know, you're more than likely going to enjoy. Yeah. I, I love, I love festivals. Yeah. I was born in 76. So this is very similar to, to like when I was a kid and I think it's popular now to do a lot of stuff set in the eighties. And I think mm-hmm. I like a lot of that stuff, but a lot of it seems kind of fake nostalgia where it's just like, here's a Rubik's cube and here's stuff that, you know, what's cool in the eighties. But this to me feels like, it feels more like uh, something. It more seems more real, even though it's an animated movie. Oh, good. No, I, I was hoping. You know, I didn't want to. Yes, it's nostalgic from its inception for me. You know, I, I um, was. It came to me as I was on the cusp of fatherhood. Like my wife and I were going to have a baby, and all of a sudden, this like this weird perspective shifted. I'm like, oh no, this, there's this 
this little one is going to have a childhood and they're going to experience these things. And I started thinking about the things I went through good and bad. And, but also like the, the things that made me excited and that one day I'll have to explain what this was and like the movies that I liked and stuff like that. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a story in here. And I, this like, it, it sparked all these memories of how I grew up, the adventures I went on, the people I was around, the things we were influenced by, the things we imagined, you know, and that became- Yeah, pre-internet, you had to imagine things. You didn't just- Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I totally. played a lot of D&D &D and yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we were born around the same time. Same yeah. same year, year pocket there. So it was, um, it was interesting. I looked, I looked you up after watching the movie to learn more about you. And I, you know, first, well, first I knew that the movie took eight years and I think I saw that your kid, your son was like eight years old, your oldest son. And yes. so uh, I thought that was interesting. So over that time making it, how, how does your perspective change? Because, you know, it's right when you're going to have a kid and then you actually have a kid who's, you know, eight years old. I think that it was really interesting. And now I have two kids, which right, is right. crazy. Like life, there was so much life that happened. Like the pandemic happened, life happened, births happened, deaths happened. It was a weird scope. But um, the thing that happened, and, and I think it kept me constantly engaged was, you know, the inception of everything was like this need to have a, something to share with my, my kid when they, when they were old enough. And then as that so i was really interested in like the kid's story doug's story and doug is very much what i was like at, at the his age and um and then as parenthood kicked in kind of a little more full force for me i was starting to get more to um stuff with the night child and parenthood had a different perspective on me um and so i started kind of, you know, without giving away too much of the movie started kind of almost thinking of this creature's perspective. That's interesting. Um, yeah. and, and it made me more, um, maybe more sympathetic to her than I was maybe even in the writing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I just had a lot of fun with it, you know, and, and just how, and then I also realized as, as being a parent, I started realizing this, how strange, <laughs> I mean, people are strange in general, but like, adults are really strange especially to kids and things like that and, and so like it was kind of fun to as more adult characters entered the story to kind of like play with what that meant you know mm -hmm. and, and those perspectives yeah and when i said uh, when people say it takes eight years to make a movie some people think like you're sitting there for eight years non-stop but no, can you just yeah. explain like you know why it does take so long to, to finish something um it took this long because um you know i I had this romantic idea that's <laughs> from from when I was a teenager, I wanted to make an animated feature um, like myself or with like my best friends, basically, like this internal, insular bubble. And it just seemed really romantic to me. And um, that was kind of came along with this realization of, I keep on going back to it, but if parents have been like, thinking back on my the things I've done creatively, um, I've been really fortunate to be um, a feature film editor and I've gotten to work, um, you know, very closely with like Lucky McKee, one of my best friends and Bob Kurzkowski and a bunch of great filmmakers coming forward. Um, and, and I love that I've gotten to do those things. I feel very fortunate, but I was like, man, I never, you know, I'm in my late thirties at this point and I'm, I never made that feature film. And so but by design, it was like, okay, we're making this insular thing. And my wife and I, um, you know, had already created done short films together where she, she's an artist, uh, my wife, Hannah, she painted, um, backgrounds for short films and commercials and things that we would get hired to do. Which and I saw she also character for the background in this. Yeah. 
Yes. And so we decided we're like, we'll do this together. Like you're pregnant. Um, we're nesting. Like this is something we could do like really quaintly and um, not understanding like, yes, we're going to be raising a family in the middle of this. And so all of a sudden, you know, this idea where we can dock this out in two or three years starts to expand because it's like, oh, well, we also, you know, I'm not independently wealthy or anything like that. I cannot afford to just focus on one th- on animating and, sh- and 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 her painting for us to just complete this film I had to work and so I, I took editing jobs and worked on editing some films and uh, so it became that I was working on weird kids and animating you know after I had spent a day editing and after I'd gotten the kids to bed and I would you know ever since I was a little kid I only slept like four hours a night and so I was like well this is a good advantage I can <laughs> You know, kids go to bed and then yeah. I'm just going to sit down and animate. And so, yeah, it, it stretched out over time. But I, in a weird way, I think it was for the better um, because each step of the way, like um, something new set in, some new inspiration, something new was learned. I became a better animator and halfway through it, my animation technique changed. And so I actually, as crazy as it sounds, went back and started reanimating some of the, oh, really? the, 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 the beginning of the movie to match where we were going from there yeah. forward. So yeah, it was an undertaking, but it, and it also just became important to me to finish it well and make sure that by the time, if we're t- taking this on, like, let's get out on the other side of it and have something we're proud of that, um, you know, that people can enjoy and that it just wasn't just done to get it done, mm-hmm. you know? It's like kind of a technical thing about the animation. Um, I could, You said it's hand animated, and it, I, I think you could see the um, the line marks in the yes. characters, which yes. be- uh, the original concept for our website when we started in 2006, it was all hand drawn. My brother did caricatures for all the guests, and then I would color them in. And so wow. I would always scan them and, and pull out the uh, pull out the the uh, the lines, and I could notice that in the in the film. Once we started doing weekly and lots of guests, it was too hard to keep up. That's a lot to keep up on. That's right, ambitious. Right. That's really cool. Well, yeah, for first three years, but after that, we kind of <laughs> <laughs> no. That's a long run. Three years, holy cow, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. But no, that uh, that really adds a lot of charm to the movie. Oh, good. I, I hope so. You know, I think that by the time, you know, I think there's always an adjustment period in any film you sit down with. I think animated films are a little different that you have to get, like your brain is adjusting to the way that like the aesthetic is laid out, mm-hmm. kind of maybe for the first five minutes. And But I think once once you get into the groove with how the aesthetic and the universe that's being set up in front of you, I, I think there's a way to settle in and have fun. So if you're, you know, making this over a long period of time, how about the cast or, or like how, how early on do they get on board and do they stay with it? You know, the whole period. Well, the cast, um, the, honestly, the cast, we got on board uh, soon after finishing the script and, and kind of went straight into this would have been, geez, early 2016. Wow. Um, and that summer, you know, that spring I started um, and I had finished the script and, and uh, Lucky McKee and I had kind of workshopped it together and cleaned it up and kind of gotten it in fighting shape. Um, and then talked, spoke with uh, Eller Coltrane and uh, Sean Briggers and Angela Bettis and all kind of the, the people that rounded out the cast. My sister who ended up playing Doug, uh, Tess and uh, Glenn Bolton, Brian Seeley, Sidney O'Donnell. And I got them all in during that about a month long period to record. And it was important to me because I just I felt like the performances and the voices, I could focus just on that. You know, I took a break up from animating during that time and just focused on directing the the voice, um, the voice performances. And and then I could use those performances to kind of help me 
push forward while it's animating because they do dictate so much of the personality and, and what you want to do yeah, was, with the, the would, motion of the performance. I wonder if does that work both ways? This would be more a question, I guess, for the for mm -hmm. the uh, the actors. Like, do, do they get to see themselves uh, their 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 animated self uh, while they're while they're performing? But you know, by then um, I had early conceptual animations for everybody. And so I did kind of make sure they could see what their character looked like. Mm -hmm. And then as I would animate, you know, it was just kind of like, because it was taking so long too, it'd be like, Hey, like these little reminders of here's a little taste. I'm still working on this. What do you think? And kind of getting feedback along the way. And, um, and that would kind of inform my excitement or, or kind of the direction I took things. Yeah. You mentioned Lucky McGee who, uh, who produced the movie. And we see the May uh, poster back there. So yeah, this is our. We have an office <laughs> space together, and that's the room. Oh, okay, very cool. Edit and animate and things like that. Yeah. So for people who don't know, uh, you've worked with Lucky uh, for for a while. Yes, yeah, we met each other in film school, and oh, cool. uh, and we would work on. We had a group of people. We'd work on one another's uh, short student films together and things like that. We all just kind of have our circle has gone out to the world and is now working, and we like keep working with one another and so that's, yeah that's, it's kind of cool so i've known him for almost 30 years which oh, is wow. insane yeah and uh you mentioned uh doing editing and from my experience doing the show um people I, I know a lot of independent filmmakers and most of them you know do something else to help make their own movies and i've noticed that the people who do their own editing um seem to be better at editing their own stuff than people who don't because i think they look at it as a uh as a film like as a job as opposed to like they get attached to certain things and then they don't want to take that out of it and then yeah i i i mean i agree as an editor at this point in my life i've been doing it long enough to where you know i i'll get sent scripts sometimes for projects that i'm going to be a part of and I, it's like you start reading things you're like oh that's totally going to be a deleted scene at some point you kind of start pre-editing uh -huh. i mean because i mean the the editing process is another part of like the rewriting process on some level um and it informed weird kids in a way i think it was um you know really helpful with writing when i was writing the script it's kind of like you know reading back going through things um when i like workshop lucky and i would workshop it like going through it reading everything out loud and it'd be like okay well, i feel like the scene is over now mm -hmm. you know kind of like my the editor gut would be like we're done here we don't need to go on for another three pages or one page like and so i started pre-editing the film even at the right that writing stage and then as i was animating um the first five scenes i meticulously storyboarded them out and I realized like, oh, I, you know, I got through the storyboards and I was like, I took almost two months storyboarding these. It's like, I could have been animating for two months. <laughs> so this is, and I was like, if I'm doing this by myself, this is going to take even this too long. Um, so I started getting to like a routine where, you know, I edited scene by scene, like in a linear fashion. And um, it got to the point where I was like starting to rely on just what I've learned from editing. And it's like, I'd finish a scene, I'd edit it together. And then it'd be like, well, where does this feel like it goes in relation to the script? And that would inform, I'd start doing just like crude thumbnail boards. And it, you know, there were times I re-edited dialogue based on what was recorded or shuffled things around to make things more sense. So I was almost like pre-editing before I animated because I was also like, well, I don't want to animate things I'm going to throw away. Right. Yeah, I was just thinking that when you're talking about it, because it's not like a if you film something on film, you can just not use it. But uh, why edit? Why animate something that you're going to cut out? Yeah. No, I, I did. I went down that road a few times. There were a few times where I actually um, 
just because I like the exercise of it when um, in live action is like just those, you know, if, if we were recording our conversation, like there'd be a camera right now, there is, there's a camera on you and a camera right, on me. Right. And then we would like cut back and forth between them. And so I would animated like all of one side of the conversation, including reactions. And then all the other side, like they were like full takes uh-huh. and then edited conversations like that sometimes just, just cause I enjoyed it. And I liked that uh, leeway to be able to cut to the other character and get a reaction. And That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You like editing? I know it's a weird question, but I, no, I love it. It actually, um, as much as I, I, you know, I've I finished, truly put like pencil down about two weeks ago, <laughs> on on weird kids with with my own little meticulous obsessive things, um, and you know I've been kind of like uncertain of what to do with myself on some level, and I miss animating, but I also like I'm really excited for another editing project to another film to edit. So, yeah. it, it, the puzzle is so fun. I, I love it. So I have to mention Scrote because I I never heard Scrote <laughs> as a uh, as a a word until uh, the Wonder Years, which uh, the Big Brother used to Scrote a lot. And uh, yeah. was that something that you, that people used when you were a kid, or maybe it's, it depends what part of the country you're in. I think it might be a regional thing. I did hear it a lot, and it did usually come from older brothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> when it comes down to it, uh, and maybe the inter- you know, and maybe the Wonder Years introduced that at some point. I thought it would have been mid to late eighties, I guess, but. Um, but, but yeah, no, I definitely heard scrote. And then there's a couple of words I wanted to use where like the meanings have changed over time from what it meant like as a kid to actually yeah. an adult and now, whereas it's like that does not, will not track. <laughs> you can't explain that. People will be confused. Sort of right, right. Yeah, I know. I'm sure everyone listening of a certain age know things that we used to say as kids that is not good to say now. But we didn't really necessarily <laughs> mean them that way at the time. No, totally. and then there was just words that just the meanings changed, like just straight up, like no, yeah, yeah, that's not that doesn't even make sense. It's not not <laughs> offensive or anything like that. It just makes right, no right, sense right. Whatsoever. Which is kind of fun, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about the song? Because uh, the song it was played multiple times throughout the movie, and I'm a big fan of um, you know, it's like um, uh, Dwayne is it Dwayne is uh, Dwayne, yeah, yeah, his uh, you know, his rock song, Wyatt, 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 Wyatt's sorry, rock, Wyatt. yeah, um. There's, I mean, there's a part of me, I, I think growing up, becoming a young adult in the early nineties, there was a lot of DIY, DIY music, right. DIY musicians, which was a lot of fun yeah. and uh, people recording things on eight tracks. And I, I guilty of that myself and uh-huh. like, fancied myself and a musician. And it is, there's something, but there is something there that's that, that beautiful, like, um, kind of innocent inception of like, I'm going to record a song right now. This is awesome. And I can have a band. And, yeah. and I kind of liked that Wyatt had that, even though it was kind of also influenced by the music he was listening to. Like, uh-huh. it was kind of like hardcore dude, hair metal rock, basically yeah. is kind of what he admitted, which not that there's anything wrong with that, but right, it's just, right. um, to him, it was like, well, this is how I'm going to get girls. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is how I'm going to impress this girl that I'm, you know, traveling with. I'm going to write her a song. And uh, and so it's a little informed by his what he's listening to and then a little misguided just by his own interpretation of things. But I just I love that idea of just recording songs and sharing them with people. Um, I think and, it really works so because fun. like at first you just think it's like bad, but there's a little it's kind of catchy when you hear it over and over. So there's enough uh-huh. that enough there that it's like, oh, this is there's a <laughs> you could listen to it. But at the same time, it's I think you could go over the top, make it really bad. And it'd just be like, well, no one would even think this was good. Totally. And then at the end, um, the 
the, the uh, composer, Sean Spillane, who used to be in a, in a, in a, in a he's an amazing um, rock musician himself, he used to be in a band called Arlo back in the day. And um, he did all the songs on The Woman, uh, all those really oh, yeah. amazing tracks. That he went back and did kind of like a souped up version of of hey girl the song is called that Wyatt does that as if like he had gone and Wyatt at some point in the future got to go into like a real studio and kind of dress it up and it kind of goes and he, he took it that extra edge um and, and and turned it into like a pop song and it's like hey this is catchy this is <laughs> it's fun yeah. i like the Wyatt character because at first you think he's like like a bully and he's not likable at all but like as as the movie goes on like the you know that he has a good side he's not an all bad character which uh that makes him more realistic i think totally. and also explains yeah. why the girl would like him too yeah no and that was the thing i i didn't want there to be that question you know because yeah, otherwise like, like why well, has to be here and, yeah. he, and he is a big brother but he's also you know there there was a thing i mean there still is there's you grow up and there's you while you're growing up you start taking in these ideas of the way you're supposed to be acting or the way you're supposed to be presenting yourself to be, you know, cool or a band or, you know, a woman or, you know, any of the, whatever it means to be these things um, based on what's happening around you that, that what society is saying, I guess. And so that there's this part of why that's thick into like trying to just be something at the beginning of the movie that you kind of start as it lets it down. You're like, Oh no, he's, why well, it's cool yeah I, I he's one of my favorites actually yeah no he's great uh, i like the and i like that um he kept it fairly small cast which i, th I think works for the movie you know yeah. there's more people later in the, later on but for the most part like the core people it's a small group of people absolutely absolutely and the, when, once the horror stuff comes in that's great too uh the, the monster <laughs> I, I don't want to give stuff away but it looks awesome and like you said like you actually feel some empathy uh for it uh, later on in the movie yeah, that's, you know, a lot of my influences when it comes to creatures come from like, you know, 50s movies, like the, that's the, what I, yeah. the, the you know, the universal monsters in the 50s and even in the 70s, like these creatures that you're like, they have this little more method to them than just madness and monster, right? Or there's, there's something that you can identify with. And then sometimes, you know, especially, you know, the old universal, but then yeah, no, like, no, oh, the monsters really are actually not the monsters. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like Frankenstein, he's not the monster. Is not the the monster. It's uh it's the doctor, really. Yeah, and, totally. and creature from Black Lagoon. I mean, it's just we're disturbing his uh, area. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, the creature was one of the first. I think it was the first monster I was actually uh, uh, aware of as a child. When it comes down to it, there's there's actually a, a poster of creature. In, in oh, my very, office very. Uh, there. One of my first guests was Ben Chapman, who played the creature from the Black Lagoon. Wow, or and. Uh, he sent me an autograph thing, so I have it up there. But uh, great guest passed away not long after the interview, but amazing guy. Oh man, that's and I really love the cool movie too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two people, two, he played the land scenes, and Rico played the, the underwater scenes. Nice. No, that's really cool. Yeah, Rico's still around. He's still wow. Cool. Yeah. So Friday is the premiere. So you've not seen Weird Kids with an audience yet. No, or did you see it with I have the, it. maybe like a cast? You, I, you know, um, we haven't even done like a real cast and crew screening. So it, this is going to be my first experience. Um, Hannah and I are going out to New York. It'll be our first experience after eight years of her painting backgrounds and eight years of me animating and editing. And then um, Andrew Smedic, our sound designer, is going to be there. Um, it's going to be our first time sharing this with an audience. So it, it's really weird. To, um, 
<laughs> just suddenly it seems like it happened really quickly it's like oh it's done oh my gosh we're gonna but um we're gonna watch this from the audience and it, it's gonna be i'm really excited um of course anxious as hell but it's i'm really excited to watch it from the audience because that's when it's really gonna hit yeah of course so, i like to make it about me but um in august i i finished my first feature well my first feature uh premiered at a festival and so it was the first time watching it with an audience and so i can relate to the idea of it's very exciting and it's also very nerve-wracking at the same time <laughs> no totally yeah right. and we started it's, pre not eight years ago but it did take two or three years because of the pandemic wow, no congratulations that's huge that's, and, and it, you know and, and those first experiences with the audience i mean you learn so much too i mean it's it there's things that make you really happy and there's things that burn and there's things that, you know, yeah, you like, laugh at the right places and don't laugh at the wrong places. No, totally. Yeah. No, but, but it's all informative moving forward. You know, it's great. Yeah. I really recommend it. I loved it. Um, I posted on my Facebook and again, not just because you're here, but uh, I think it's a great movie. No, I love the, you. I love the whole thing. I like, I think it's got a lot of heart to it and it, it's fun to even just watch, but the characters are all, you know it makes me feel nostalgic and um and then the horror stuff it's kind of like maybe dragnet the movie i don't know there's a lot of different movies <laughs> that i could compare it to but but it's definitely original too no no thank i really I, i'm glad that you liked it i appreciate you i just sharing the, the word and, and having me on and and all that you know it's uh i get a lot of screeners i don't want to name names no a lot of them aren't the best but when when something comes along i really like it's it's nice to tell everybody to to check it out yeah i feel the same way i like if, if i if something it makes me excited like and that's the thing it's like i i you know i love movies and i love um i love just seeing what people create and it's like if somebody does make something that makes you excited like share it tell people get other people to see it like that that's uh that's just part of the fun of life yeah so when you're so you're doing the um during pandemic and everything um did everyone record their audio like in a studio or did they do it like at their own place and have to send you know, it to you. we uh we made we made a little makeshift studio um in lucky's house actually okay. we were able to make and we were able to get it in before the pandemic hit which was nice so we did it all in person and uh and uh andrew smedic who ended up being the sound designer the mix on the film um did the recording so we knew we had good that that it was nailed and it was sounding good and uh so we were really fortunate i'm glad i got to do that in person uh yeah. just because that energy is important yeah all right very cool i'll have the link to um to see it this friday at the brooklyn horror film festival and where can people follow to see like where it goes from there um let's see i am on twitter uh as a western ghost and uh, i'd be setting up a, a weird kids twitter and i'm on there's a weird kids instagram if people follow that you can look up the weird kids animated and uh there's a russell on facebook so there's there's a way um still getting myself organized <laughs> but also um yeah, and, and please, I, I, and please come out and, and watch the film if if you're out in that area. It'd be great to have you. Yeah, um, it's cool to watch stuff on the computer at home, but to me, there's no better way to watch anything than on the big screen, especially with a lot of uh, with people who uh, like weird stuff like yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. It was very cool to uh, talk with you. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. I, I, I appreciate it. Have thanks. a have a good one. You too. <laughs> <laughs>